drink the bitter cup reserved for me. The cup has washed away my sin. Jesus, thank you. The Father's wrath completely satisfied. Jesus, thank you. Once your enemy, now seated at your table, Jesus, thank you. Father, we thank you again for the day that you've blessed us with to gather together as we open your word. We ask that through your spirit in us, you would open our ears as well, and we might hear from you this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated.
looking again at the uh, 12th chapter of Romans, the verses dealing with the body of, of Christ, uh, looking specifically this morning at verses 4, 5, and about the first half of verse 6. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Talked quite a bit last week about uh, the body of Christ. Uh, spent quite a bit of time looking at other scriptures, Romans cha- or, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 as well. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, there was a, a couple, three verses uh, that were ones that would stick out compared to, you know, going along with what we just read. Uh, chapter 12, verse 14 of 1 Corinthians talks about that there are many members to the body of Christ. Chapter uh, 12, verse 18 says, God arranges the placement of each one. And I, I know I didn't spend much time on that, but that idea of God arranges the placement of each one. I believe that there is no coincidence that we're here together this morning. Now, as to how long God keeps us together and, and, and various places that God leads us and changes the, the paths that we go and all these different things that can happen. This morning, we are here without coincidence, without, you know, just happen that way, but by God's pulling it together. And so we, as the body of Christ, are, are, are placed where God chooses to place us. And again, in verse 20 of chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, he says, many parts but one body. I think as much as anything, I focused last week on the reality of the head of the body, Jesus Christ. Uh, if you were to go to Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 4, Colossians chapter 1, Colossians chapter 2, and lots of other places, but those four specific verses really emphasize the head is the, uh, of the body is Jesus Christ. And so we keep that in mind, the, 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 the head, the thing, that, the very actual thing that directs the body, the head, is Christ himself. That should create quite an interesting, I'm always cautious when I use a, a word that can be so misused, but the word intimacy in the sense of familiarity, that the Christ, you know, he knows our every Heart. He knows our every uh, thought, you know, because he is the head of our body, especially he, he is in an intimate relationship with us. Uh, it's just a, a powerful picture. We also discussed, which I think is extremely important, is ownership of the body, the ownership of the church. And I will tell you over the years, and maybe some of you have had these experiences where you get involved in, in, in churches uh, where it's very clear that boards and, and, and groups of people and sometimes whole congregations think they own the church. Uh, that you can think all you want. <laughs> but if you are part of the body of Christ, if you're a body of believers in Jesus Christ, from the heart have believed and you from the mouth have confessed, and you come together, there is that, there's not a point at all, there is no time at all where the church belongs to you or to me or to a pastor or to a group of elders or to a board. 
Jesus said so clearly to Peter, on this rock I will build my church. And I emphasize not only the my church, but who does the building? He says, I, Jesus, I will build my church. And then I like the next part. And nothing, not even the gates of hell shall prevail against it. There's three carry, there's, you know, when we look at relationships, uh, I think of the church as, as three kinds of or areas of relationships. Some of what we talked about last week, but uh, Christ's relationship with us, our relationship with him, and then our relationship with each other. And, and so uh, reviewing a little bit and, and adding some more to that this morning. Uh, again, Christ is the head, he's the builder, but he's also in it. You now, there's a, a, a very clear picture uh, when you read it slowly. And I, and, and I have to say it just that way because it requires reading it slowly. In the, the 17th chapter of, of, of John, where Jesus is speaking and he says, uh, Verse 20 says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Who would that be? Us here today, anybody that follows. That they may all be one. Just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one even as we are one. I in them, you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. I in them, you and me, we in, you know, just the, all of that together saying that, that there is a, a relationship between Christ and the Father and the Son and the, the Holy Spirit and the body of Christ that is totally unique to any other relationship in the universe. It's different than any other relationship God has with the rest of creation. In fact, God says the rest of the creation was built in such a way, put together in such a way to cause that relationship to become everything that it can be. What a powerful picture. Again, it would be very easy to, if you just take a moment to sit there and think about that, to say, wow, God really loves us. I think I've shared this picture before. I don't know how many of you are familiar with the uh, uh, singer-songwriter Barry McGuire. Uh, people in my age group uh, might remember him from the 60s and 70s. Uh, he was he was the you know the hardcore drug rocker kind of thing. And then when he got the Lord got a hold of him and everything just turned around. And uh, I, I I use this one because most people can remember he and uh, Dottie Rambo I think it was. Uh, Wrote bullfrogs and butterflies. They've both been born again. And uh, uh, but anyway, he was sitting on a Greyhound bus. This is one of his testimonies. Sitting on a Greyhound bus. He hadn't been a believer very long, and and he had heard, just heard a, a message uh, on on Genesis the and 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 chapter one. He was re 
re-reading all of that, and it, and it, and it, and it hit him, it, what the pastor had said, that the stars in the heaven were put together in such a way as to, for man to be able to tell the seasons. And he just, he just got excited, he, out loud <laughs> excited. He says, whoa! <laughs> you know, God wants us, I mean, he uses the heavens to, to show us how awesome he is and that he has put things together in such a way so that we'll know it. That's the God of all creation cares that much about the man of this earth. And he was just blown away by it. The head is the ultimate authority. It's, the, and, and it's in charge, period. That's the concept of the whole idea of head. It also coincides with the word headship principle, or a phrase, headship principle, where you know uh, that's who's in charge, the final authority. Uh, we say the final authority is the word of, of God in, in, our, in, in our statement of faith, meaning in all things to deal with. When we can't figure something out, we go to the word of God to see what it says. And, and we, we recognize that as, as Christ, the word of God, spoken you know, and, and, and held together all through the ages for us to have today in such a way that we can look at it and have confidence that God has spoken with authority, the sovereign God in charge of all things, the head of the body, Jesus Christ. Source of life is, is also tied to the idea of head. We don't always think of the head as the source of life. And of course, if you're, if you're you know, into biology and science, you start thinking, okay, the brain, yeah, it sends you know, all the little signals to, so that your hand knows to you know, to move. Now, and, and all of a sudden, I'm very self-conscious about my hands moving. I don't think about my hands moving the rest of the time, except if I have to sit on them, and then I can't talk. Um, but, but the idea of, 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 of just that kind of source, I guess you could put there, but that still ties more to me, the one who's in charge of authority over the body. The other type of concept of head is the idea of of, of nourishment, the, the head brings about the, 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 the source of life. Um, this word is used, uh, the idea of the head of a river, the headwaters of a river. That's where all the, the waters come together that create the, the, the river that will flow down. Jesus is that to us as well. In fact, there's a picture that Jesus draws very powerfully in the Gospel of John about, you know, uh, as the water is flowing through the temple and, and everything, he says, I am the living water. If you drink from me, you'll not thirst anymore. And then all of a sudden he even goes and, and water will burst forth from you in a, in a rather graphic picture. Another way of looking at uh, Jesus puts this in a picture of uh, making sure we understand who's the one who supplies is when he talks about us being branches and him being the vine. So we as a body are tied into Christ in the sense of the source of our life, the source of our direction, in the sense of, of who's in charge. Uh, his will, we say, you know, uh, is, is what we want to submit to. And then on top of that, we have this picture in us that, that, that John has here, uh, you know, that he, he, we say Jesus is in my heart, okay, uh, lots, especially with uh, little kids, 
uh, you know, way down in the depths of my heart, you know. Uh, and, and so we, we use that graphic picture, Jesus in us. How is he in us at all times, all points, uh, without ceasing? Through his Holy Spirit. And so we have been indwelled by the Holy Spirit. Christ is the head, indwelled by the Holy Spirit in, in a unit, a, 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 a one relationship in such a way that we're in Christ in the Father, the Father is in Christ in us. It's it just, it's, it's beyond imagining, I guess. It, it's trying to find a word for it. In fact, it's such a powerful picture that when you start to look at it, you say, you know, I'm alive. Christ is alive. The Holy Spirit is alive. The Father is alive. Somehow all of this comes together. The body is alive. In some kind of a unique way, the body creates an organism where all of us have a part to play. Just as in a body, there, there's the foot or the hand, and those are a couple of things that Paul talks about, or the eye or the ear or the tongue, or the, uh, or, the, or the nose, the smell, you know, ability to smell. All these things come together as an organism. And, and, and there's one writer I remember writing uh, uh, a while back, uh, uh, Greg Ogden. <laughs> uh, he, uh, he wrote, he, he's got a, a whole chapter in a book of, of, of his about organism versus organization. You know, he says, there's such a, uh, there's, there's this tendency to get the church so organized that it becomes an institution, it becomes a, a business, it becomes a lot of things, but it ceases to, in a sense, beat the heart of Christ. And it tends to beat the heart of individuals who have come together with like ideas, but they're missing the heart, the mind of Christ. And I'm realizing, as I, as, as, even as, again, as I start to share this with you, that this morning, how important it is that we not lose that. This was the thing that, that, that Luther saw that the church had lost. This was one of the things that so grieved him when he finally understood what it meant to be a part of the body of Christ. And he realized everybody is a part of the body of Christ, so much so that there is no priesthood meaning this group of people out here who run and organize and, and tell you when, where, and how. He says, all of us are the priesthood of believers. But we still kind of got, we're not, we're, we haven't gotten rid of all those trappings yet that, you know, in that sense. There's that tendency to put the pastor up here and the, the laity out here. <laughs> By the way, the word laos, uh, people, is, is, is not used to describe a part of the body of Christ in the scriptures. There is no laity. There's just the priesthood of believers all come together with our individual parts to do what God has given us to do so that we will function and be healthy. An organism, each part of the body depends on first the head, and then each other for functions and direction and, and, and health 
desiring to, to serve Christ and to, to glorify God. I put in here in my notes, interdependence versus independence. Now, some of you have heard me use the, this, this combination before as uh, something to talk about. Interdependent versus independent. Interdependent is, is needing each other to work together to survive and to accomplish a purpose and, and a goal. Interdependent, working together. Okay. Our culture and the Western culture as a whole tends to look at independence as the key to success. I am my own man. I am a self-made man. Uh, I, can, I, I can go through a list of motivational speakers uh, and books that they have written over the last 30 years. Tony, Tony uh, I can't think of his last name now, but anyway, one of the big ones. Uh, you know, but, but this idea of, of and, and by the way, if you ever read any of these things or ever go to any of these things, you'll actually walk away and you'll actually glean a couple of, of interesting thoughts and, 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 and things. But generally speaking, it, it, it's, it's, the idea is, is ultimately what's in it for me. Some will even say that, and, and talk about a principle, what goes around comes around, therefore be sure you're putting out good stuff so the good stuff comes back. But why am I putting out the good stuff? So that good stuff comes back. What happens if I put out some good stuff and somebody slaps me in the face? You see, you know, is it, well, I guess it doesn't work. No, it has nothing to do with it. You know, by the way, what goes around does come around in a, in a, in a long sort of way. And what putting good out does bring good back in, in certain contexts. But the idea is, is that what if I, I put good out to my enemy? I'm instructed to do that. What if my enemy chooses not to repay? I didn't put it out there to get repaid. I put it out for a different purpose. Christ the head said that he is glorified through actions like that. And so I see an enemy that's hungry or wounded or needing help. I come alongside without the thought about who he is, but realizing that this is what God would do, this is what Christ would do, this is what Christ wants to do in me and through me. And so this idea changes. We become interdependent. On, we, we become interdependent with each other and, and at this point, totally dependent on Christ. Again, so runs against our culture, our, our freedom of speech, our freedom of everything. And by the way, I do not regret where I'm born. I, I'm thankful for where I'm born. I'm thankful for the rights I have. I vote accordingly, and I, and I want, you know, don't, don't misunderstand how important that side of it is. But when it becomes the dominant way I think instead of Christ, I need to step back and take a look and say, I want to make sure that the way the organization thinks doesn't corrupt the way the organism works. I've got uh, friends who have been involved in churches for years, and it's, uh, they see the need to run churches as businesses and organizations, just like they run Rotary or, or corporations. And that's not what Scripture tells us. 
within the framework of this interdependence and this need to be in, uh, working together and locked together, if you will, uh, it, it, this, I'm going to start to use the word fellowship. The, uh, and, and, and it's a word that got a big boost in the, in the, the 70s and, and 80s. Uh, just about every, the word kononia, fellowship, was used in just about every title of, 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 of every other how to build your church program and, and kononia groups, kononia fellowship, kononia classroom, kononia Sunday school, kononia children's ministry. Uh, I mean, it was just, it was to the point that nobody had a clue what it meant. You know, they just said, oh, we're going to kononia tonight, you know. You know and, and, you know, but the idea of fellowship it is an intricate part, so much so that, that the author of, of Hebrews tells us not to forsake it. We need to get and come together. The parts need to come together, to, and, and, and it has to be more, it has to be a deeper relationship than is achieved here Sunday morning. I mean, if you nurtured your body only once a week, various parts would rebel fairly quickly. And so we're encouraged to do things that we're all aware of. We read, our, we read the scriptures uh, daily, prayer, the various things that we might do. But I want to include in that the opportunity to seek out fellowship when you can. And, you know, people will, I will have sometimes people come to me and tell me our lives are falling apart. And I'll say, well, you know, uh, haven't seen you in church uh, for a while. Well, we've just been busy. Are you involved in any of the, the, you know, Bible studies? Well, we just don't have time. But they want everything to be going well, you know, in their relationship with Christ and their relationship together. And this is one of the real marks of things that you'll understand as a believers especially is that when this you know vertical relationship is is slow on its move and it's not it's not going anywhere the horizontal begins to fade and have problems as well I was thinking about this the other day I, I, I put it as a side note note the parts that struggle uh, it's not the same as those that won't participate, but they just they're struggling to keep it. And I started listing my brain, <laughs> my bones, <laughs> my back. You know, I started going through. You know, and, and I was thinking, you know, they they're not anywhere near a hundred percent, but they, they're still participating. They haven't abandoned my body and just said no. You know, we we, we won't play anymore. You know. Um, and I, and I was just thinking, if my skeletal, all of a sudden there's this bag of flesh just laying there, somebody might look at me and think that anyway, but, uh, you know, uh, and, 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 and no bones to, to move because they just finally said, well, we're done. Or any other part. You get my picture. Uh, and so uh, we were to come into the body to, you know, and, and, and when we do, by the way, it's just a side trail here for a moment. We all come the same way through Christ, period. There is no other access. I know I've gone over that before. I just wanted to make sure that we start with that thought for just a moment here. 
by his grace, his, his mercy, his forgiveness. Beginning to end, it's through Christ that our salvation happens. We don't choose, and by the way, we don't, we don't choose our brothers and sisters either. Have you ever thought about that? You don't, you don't choose your brothers and sisters literally in your family. Well, you don't choose them in the body of Christ either. Because every believer is a part of the body of Christ. And so that, that's a given. So you, you may in the local body think you're getting away. <laughs> but, but, you, but you don't choose your brothers and sisters. And, and, and I put in here just as I was thinking about this, uh, uh, what we have in common is what actually draws us together. And it's an interesting thing that we have in common. What is it that we have in common? All our love for the Lord, but that's not what drew, drew us into this. His love for us precedes our love for him. So what's, what do we have in common? Huh? God loves us, yeah? Sin. What a, what a thing to have in common <laughs> to, that draws us together. But it's, that's, that's what did it. We are, we are all sinners, fall short of the glory of God, and we needed a Savior. Need a Savior. Continue to need a Savior. Be careful there, Bob. And I underlined this for myself. Bob, you do not deserve to be a part of the body of Christ. And then I put, we do not deserve to be a part of the body of Christ. We don't because we are sinners. But through God's grace, mercy, and sacrifice. And so I came back again. God's, God's the one that chooses our brothers and sisters in Christ. God does not ask my opinion. Well, Bob, do you think that person should be saved? Yeah. <laughs> I'm thankful it's not left to any one of us. I think of a, a guy that I was, I'd been Christian for just a, a few months, and they'd asked me to, to sing in, in, in choir. Because one thing is, if, 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 if I'm singing in a choir and somebody else starts the notes, I can normally get in okay on tune, and in tune, on tune, on key, in key. Uh, but anyway, uh, and, and, and I tend to sing baritone, so you know, that's, that's my safe place. And, and so I'm sitting in the choir benches in, in, on the church stage, with with uh, a couple of other people that I don't hardly I haven't really don't know very well yet, and and in walks a long-haired guy in, in corduroy bell bottoms, leather vest, beads, the whole nine yards, beard, you know, and and with him a, a girl who's got a uh, ankle-length dress that's just flowing all over the place and hair going all over the place, and it was the perfect hippie couple. It happened to be a, a windy morning, and he says, oh, this guy sitting over here, oh, my God, and you see what the wind blew in. It made me wonder what they said about me the first time that I came in. My hair was about this long. It was still then. Full beard. Um. I, I didn't have a suit. Everybody else was wearing one, but I didn't have one. When you're in a choir, you wore a choir robe, so that took care of that. 
I'm just, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you know, God, God's the one bringing people through the doors. It's not for us to sit back and say, oh. In fact, I, 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 I thought about this. This got, got me thinking so much that I just wanted to share this with you. You know, I, I put here, you know, uh, uh, think about it. Would you have chosen, and I just put dot, 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 and you can think of somebody that you've run into that just kind of catches you off guard as a, a person who becomes somebody for Christ. One of the first persons that jumped in my mind was uh, the, the biker that was the pastor down at, at uh, uh Church of Christ in, in Rio Del that then ultimately went over to Oroville. And you look at him with his tattoos and his, and his Harley, and, 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 and you would never have thought of him as a pastor. He was a youth pastor at that point, but he went over to pastor in Oroville until he uh, passed away from cancer. But he was a young man, and you, you, you know, I, I put down that's who I was thinking of when I wrote, would you have chosen, you know, and, uh, but anyway, here's, here's this man who's, uh, he is a man of character who shines brightly in a dark place. His identity has shifted from that of a, uh, a murderer to a child of God. He no longer allows his crime to identify who he is. He sees himself as God sees him, a new creation in Christ. He is not only a man of faith, but he, of feeling. His job is the facility biohazard janitor. Uh, he walks the facility uh, while sharing what it means to be a Christian. He fellowships with other Christians and helps them to see God as their heavenly Father who loves them unconditionally. He is a man of sound logic and reasoning. People listen to him because of the life they see him living. And this is over a long period of time now. He, li he listens to people and encourages them in their weakness. He shares a godly wisdom that has come through past failures and years of spiritual and mental growth. In 2009, he even completed his B, uh, Bachelor of Science degree in business management. He boldly rejects the perception of legalistic Christianity where people are led to believe that they, that they can earn their salvation through their own good works. He lives every day reaching out to unbelievers with the grace of God and prays with believers to understand their awesome inheritance because of their union with Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. Now, you guys could, you know, I could just leave it there, and you guys would just, you could, you could wonder all day, because I tried not to give you any major clues, you know. This guy's born in 1945 uh, in Dallas, Texas, grew up in Texas. Uh, he left Texas in 1967 to come to the, to the West Coast, to Cal uh, Hollywood, Los Angeles area, become part of the rock scene, which he did. And he got involved with the, the drugs, and put it here, drug, sex, and rock and roll. Uh, his, and, and, and uh, he enrolled in college but, uh, uh, and, and got a job, but he soon dropped out of both. And this is where it becomes clear. You'll figure out who it is. He met a guy by the name of Charles Manson and ended up becoming a member of the Manson family. He was part of this group for a year. Manson offered utopia, but, it really, but in reality, he had a destructive worldview, which... This man, Charles Watson, ended up believing in and acting upon. His participation in the 1969 Manson murders is a part of the history that he deeply regrets. For participation in these crimes, 
He currently serves a life sentence. Um, still in prison. But in 1975, he accepted the Lord. 1978, he was talked into writing a book by uh, Chuck Colson uh, through Prison Fellowship and Prison Ministry. Tex Watson is his nickname. Maybe that even rings a worse bell in the mind of the atrocities that he committed. I would never have pointed at him. One of my good friends was at that time a guard on that cell block, also a Christian. And he said, no way. No way. He's looking, because he had just had his, li- his, li- his death sentence commuted to a life sentence. He says, he's, he's milking this thing. He's working this thing. He's figured it out. If I can be a good guy, I'll eventually get out. And Bob said, no Bob, within a couple of days, the countenance of this guy was so different. It was night and day. The next thing you know, Bob Guthrie was talking with Tex Watson. Bob Guthrie's an elder in a very conservative church, you know, and he's talking with, with Tex Watson through the, the cell bars about Christ. Isn't that an amazing picture? We don't choose our brothers and sisters. Christ does. I just want to make sure we grasp that. You know, because I, I, I was talking with somebody just the other day who just doesn't go to church because he sees so many, quote-unquote, hypocrites and all that kind of stuff. I, and I'm not, I'm not one of these people who says, well, you best not go because you'll just add to it or anything like that. I, I uh, <laughs> Uh, there's, there's the people who say, oh, I'm looking for the perfect church. Well, if you go, don't, don't stay because you'll ruin it, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but, it, it, you know, this idea of I can do it on my own. I don't need you. Uh, I don't need to be around all you other people. You guys are weak, uh, you know, whatever. You know, there's all sorts of reasons that people don't get involved in fellowship. But it's an intimate part of being in Christ. That God intended to be there to shape us, to mold us, to build us, to strengthen us, to humble us, and to change us. We need each other as God has put us together to fulfill our purposes in him. I shared with you one key purpose last week, Matthew 5.16. Basically, uh, we're here to glorify our Father in heaven. We're to shine on a hill so that our Father in heaven is glorified. We're here to exalt God, glorify the Lord. We're here to build up each other. We read it in Ephesians. Uh, We're here to build up and encourage each other. You can read it again in Colossians and in 1 Corinthians. I want to just close with this, this, this thought. This morning. This is uh, John writing in his uh, first letter. 
This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. That is an amazing phrase all by itself. What that means is no shadow. We can't get out of a, 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 the idea of shadow in this world, but in him there's no, no, no shadow, no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, and look at what this, this picture now, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. There's automatically tied, John didn't even think about it, says, gosh, if you're walking with Jesus, you're walking with each other, period. You're having fellowship with one another. It wouldn't be any other way. It was without a hesitation. It was just part of the natural picture, that whole picture of things. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for our sins only, but for all, uh, also for the sins of the whole world, and by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. I, I, I just read the rest of that so we could just go right into communion. That's part of this thing that the body of Christ does together. Can you have communion all by yourself someplace? Is that wrong? But it's interesting that when we see it pictured in, in Scripture, it's always the body met together and broke bread together, shared communion together to remember Christ together until he comes again. We are the body of Christ. By his choice, we are here. And as we come together, we need to make that relationship uh, one that, that, that grows and encourages and builds up. I want to just uh, you know, uh, encourage you with that and, uh, this morning. And uh, we'll have communion. I'll ask the ushers to come uh, to pass out the emblems until we've all been served. And we'll share together. The Father 
turns his face away as was his mother chosen one bring many sons to glory writes to the Corinthians, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Paul goes on. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes.
Lord, as often as we eat and drink this, we proclaim your death until you come again. And in order to proclaim your death, it's to, it's, it's to proclaim what your death has done. As we've just sung, it is finished because of that. And the only reason we can proclaim until you come using death in the same sentence is because of your resurrection and the reality that you're alive. And, 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 and so we put all of this together and we say, Lord, it is an amazing thing to be a part of the body of Christ. And we are thankful. Cause us to be ones who would boast in, in your salvation with great joy and excitement because we realize this morning again none of us deserve to be here but through your grace and your, and your, your love, your forgiveness. Thank you. Now cause us to be people who as we move into this, this, this day, the rest of this day and this week, Lord, who would be willing to say, Lord, give us your eyes, your ears, your word that we might proclaim you and glorify you through the week. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand as we close? I want to thank you for being here. And uh, we have ref-